Welcome to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine, Eric Fassett, a TTRPG and fiction writer who has contributed to games like Scion, Pugmire, Vampire the Masquerade, Pip System, and more. Erica is also a streamer, LARPer, and part-time sea witch. You can find her work among the games of Onyx Path Publishing, World of Darkness, Third Eye Games, and beyond. We are incredibly excited to have Erica with us this evening to discuss working in the TTRPG industry, her background in gaming, and maybe some of the projects she has going on right now. Erica, how are you tonight? Not too bad, not too bad. How are you, Ian? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been it's been a little hectic, uh, as, as you well know, so uh, I'm honestly very happy to be getting back to recording this podcast. We haven't recorded an episode in over a year, and uh, I'm super excited to have you on as the first new guest. Oh, I'm extremely honored to be the first new guest of, you know, this uh, year as well. Awesome. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna jump right into it because uh, you and I were talking earlier. So <laughs> we, we've gotten some of the small talk and pleasantries out of the way of being on a voice call. Um, uh, so how did you choose TTRPG as a you know career path? I know it's it's a part time job for you. You are a freelancer, but it is very much a career path. So how did you get started? Uh, well, uh, I say that I was actually brought into it kicking and screaming. <laughs> Um, I had, uh, I made a lot of acquaintances in my time in gaming, um, mostly through Midwinter Gaming Convention, and mm-hmm. I was uh, connected to a lot of these people just because, hey, we played games together and became friends on Facebook. And during my time in LARP, I would sometimes post uh, short stories or short vignettes based on my characters and what uh, I had done recently in the game. And a friend approached me and said, you know what, you really need to start writing like professionally. Like you've got a good knack for it, you know. We're gonna we're gonna make a writer out of you yet. And so, uh, about four, yeah, four or five years ago now, uh, literally dragging and screaming into it, um, I got my first uh, my first contract, and from then on, I just hit the ground running. Awesome. Well, uh, thank that friend for me, first of all. It was Neil Raymond Price. <laughs> okay, I will thank Neil then, because I have to talk to him about some work anyway. <laughs> um, so what was the first thing you worked on? What was, the, what was your first break into the TTRPG industry? See, this is kind of an interesting question, because I actually really had to think about it. And for a while, um, I would say... It was like the first contract I ever had that I got paid for, which was a part-time God second edition from Third Eye Games mm-hmm. for my contribution to the Canis Minor community content for Realms of Pugmire. But reflecting, it was actually a web supplement for Legend of the Five Rings Third Edition Revised, uh, a web supplement companion for their Masters of Court. Mm. Um, I created a career advanced path for the Otaku Battle Maiden School called the Otaku, the Otaku Mediator as well as the NPC Utaku Chiyo, who at the time was based off the character I had played previously. Um, I think actually that was back in t- somewhere like 2007 to 2009. So it, it's been a while. Um, I can't really recall, but that was my first actual published uh, game credit, even if I wasn't really accredited because no one was. Um, I just never regarded it until recently because I didn't focus much on what it meant to be a freelance writer and what like my contributions were actually worth until like really the past three to four years. That makes sense. It's certainly it's feels different to be like, this is work I was paid for versus this is work I was not. But I think it's all valid. 
Yeah, I mean, I was heavy into the uh, L5R community, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just just how it was. So so I know. <laughs> um, uh, so in addition to that, you have also are an accomplished community creator. Uh, you have self-published work for Scion specifically um, on DriveThruRPG. Uh, what do you think the biggest differences between working on a book that you are working on yourself own completely and are self-publishing versus working underneath a developer for a publisher? Well, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I think when you're doing your own publications or you're creating your own content, you know, you've got a lot more freedom to, you know, fully visualize and you know put your idea out there whereas like with uh, working on a developer we might have certain restrictions or certain like hey we're actually going to be saving this content for another book down the line so can you hold on to your hat i liked it because it really allows me to stretch my creativity as well as my ability to self-manage a project um you should not ask about how many current ideas that I have in my uh, in my draft folder. There's too many, and because of all the contracts, I've never actually really had a whole lot of time to go about actually getting those fully fleshed out. But it it's in the double digits. Yep, that, that's that's a mood I have. I don't I'm, I don't work obviously nearly as much um, on the writing side of the TTRPG industry, but I do have five drafts currently sitting in Google Drive that are like, hey, finish us and publish us. <laughs> It's mostly just like high level ideas and outlines <laughs> that I have with yeah. some actual meat and potatoes written, but um, something like I think 17. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> so it, obviously working for both, uh, doing both sides of that has its own pros and cons. Uh, which, which would you say you prefer? I like working under a developer because I feel like they can really challenge you. Um, not saying that you can't do it yourself, but like when you have another set of eyes and another like, you know, brain to pick for whether you're going in the right direction on something, you know, it it's always nice to get that type of feedback. I'm not saying that you can't do that on your own, like, hey, you know, have your friend read what you're currently going to be putting up for community content. But developers really have this keen eye of exactly what is needed, but they also give you that flexibility to kind of give a little bit of wiggle room to self-advocate. I really like that because it's actually allowed me to become more confident and be able to create my own content. That makes a lot of sense. I think that there's a sense of ownership that can actually get in the way of creating content that knowing that you're working for someone else who is going to make changes to your work takes away. And that there's, like I said, pros and cons. Yep. Um, Riffing off that just a little bit more, I think that there are... You know, obviously, like I said, you've worked for publishers like Onyx Path, The World of Darkness. Uh, you contributed to the Vampire, the Masquerade 5th Edition Companion, and you've written a lot for Scion, in addition to some of the other ones that we've mentioned. What, um, not, not naming names, but what has been one of your favorite projects to work on? Oh, geez. <laughs> Putting me right on the spot. Favorite project to work for. Um... I think it probably had to be the Scion Fiction Anthology, of all things, because uh, a lot of us um, who were on that project, we 
we have like a Slack channel where we would just throw ideas back and forth. And we came up with the idea that in the world, there is essentially like a 7-Eleven type uh, convenience store. We called it Nibbleheim, like nibbles, like nibbles to eat. <laughs> and we just went whole hog into creating like this whole mythos around it. And I think it's mentioned in at least four or five of the stories in the Scion Fiction Anthology. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I, I came up with a lot of food puns, and I'm not ashamed of it. I just <laughs> when we When we have ideas, sometimes when we're all collaborating, we really run with them, and it gets sometimes... It might seem from the outside goofy, but we somehow make it work, and we make it look really good. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I, I... I need that's one of the things I haven't read yet because I am busy um, mostly, but I'll have to pick that up and check it out. Um, so effectively, you've been working within this industry for the last 11, 12 years. What do you think would be like the number one aspect of the TTRP industry that TTRPG industry that you would change if you could? Honestly, like, you know, I come into this also being a fan of games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's one thing I never got being a fan of games is how much toxicity there can be um, with people wanting to stick to what's only in the core book and never veering from interpretation. Um, I always feel like setting in core books are meant to be guides to telling these stories, not necessarily commandments to be obeyed and never questioned. So when people are looking for, like, you know, super hard, like, you know, these are rules you must abide by while playing this game. Like, you cannot never deviate. I'm like, I don't like those types of games because where's the creativity? Where's, like, you know, the the space for it to flourish? Um, so I really like games that leave mechanics and interpretation open. But when you look at the player base, you'll definitely see it. And I've seen it across all different types of uh, product lines, you know not going to name eight specific ones because there's just so many and you see it in every community where there are people who just never are happy with what they get. <laughs> like they always want everything to be concrete or say a creator or, or a dev or a writer who worked on something mentioned something offhand. They suddenly take that as gospel and they run with it, even though it's not. Yeah. And it means that for a lot of us who come after who work on those product lines, you know, are kind of having to deal with a lot of the sort of, and I want to say, like, it's, it's a caustic environment sometimes. But thankfully, you know, we've got really good developers and we've got really good publishers who have, you know, the writer's backs and we're allowed to actually be like, no, you're kind of wrong to some of the fans. <laughs> and that might seem rude. It's like, we, we don't catch and be like, no, you're wrong. It's like, hey, we allow for ambiguity. If you want to read it into it that way, you can, but that's not how we intended it to come off as. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a certain level of um, stifling that parts of the community do that they, if they didn't do, would realize they could get better content. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes things seem to change. Exactly. Um, what uh, what is a property that you would like to work on that you haven't well like <laughs> ooh, 
I mean, I've, in terms of, like, stuff from, like, the world of darkness, like, werewolf has always been, like, where my heart is. I know mm -hmm. everyone's going to gasp because, like, well, you wrote for vampire. I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> like, you know, my my first White Wolf book was a second edition player's guide for Werewolf the Apocalypse, and that's kind of where I started. Um, other than that, you know, I've just always kind of open to interesting, you know, properties or settings that I might come across. Like, I'm just kind of open to it all. Awesome. Uh, as an aside, you I, on the day of this recording, you saw that uh, Justin did give an update on the status of Hunter and Werewolf for 5th edition. I actually did not see that. He did. Uh, Hunter is in proofing and werewolf um for for the industry jargon werewolf seems to be in its second round of red lines um he said it's written but needs more development which to me means okay you, you're on your second round of red lines <laughs> i mean or just developing in general yeah. so it's not extra developing doesn't always mean more red lines but mm -hmm. yeah i mean maybe for some sections you don't you never know yeah there's so many you know gears that grind together in this whole thing <laughs> It's 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 an ever moving machine with a lot of cogs and oh, yeah. it's hard to always pinpoint where things are. But uh, yeah, no, I guess uh, Hunter is almost to print, which is very I, interesting. I didn't even know they were doing Hunter Fifth, but hey, good yeah. for them. I'm excited for it. I liked Hunter a lot, uh, but much like you, I actually got my start in Werewolf before I played Vampire, so I'm excited for that one too. Yes. Um. So switching gears entirely. Um away from writing and industry talk, you've um, also been heavily involved in the LARP community for some time. What do you think the biggest appeal of live action roleplay versus tabletop gaming is like more traditional tabletop gaming? I mean, for me with LARPing, it's the immersion and I'm just going to be completely honest. Like I love costuming. I love creating characters. I love mm -hmm. creating like, you know, their modes of dress finding just the right accents to fully embody them to just kind of get into that character. But then again, I also was that nerd who, for my old Friday night L5R games back in college, I actually did costume a little bit because I was 100% that chick. <laughs> I, I was that nerd, you know, I mean, yep. I just was like, well, we're going to be sitting, you know, in the student commons for the next like 10 hours slinging dice. So might as well just, go whole hog and just embrace it have as much fun with it as you can yeah no that's all that's actually i mean it's gotten you this far <laughs> i mean i think <laughs> i even got extra xp because of it nice well there you go that's that's always a way to uh <laughs> <laughs> that's always encouraging um from LARPing to tabletop uh, RPGs, what is the first game you ever played? Uh, do you promise not to laugh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first game I ever played that was actually, you know, paper, pencil, dice was the Guardians of Order Sailor Moon RPG. Nothing wrong with that. I, I appreciate uh, some good Sailor Scout material. Well, it was Sailor. It was Sailor Moon crossed with Resident Evil. We've talked about this. Yeah, you just, yeah. I just remembered that. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even like at the time. Like I was like fourteen, no, fourteen or fifteen. And I was like, I can't really recall because I didn't play Resident Evil at the time. Mm -hmm. But like our GM did, and I didn't realize until I was like, 
my god, he crossed it over with Resident Evil. I'm like, okay, well, I guess uh, Sailor Saturn's got a couple of for- Colt 45s now, and she's out here just, you know, killing zombies. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we needed to take a break from that, it then turned into a Sailor Moon crossover with uh, Mega Man, which was interesting. Okay, okay. I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, I played Sailor Tron, as in Sailor Tron Bon. Mm-hmm. And I had three uh, serve bots as my minions. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. What was the first LARP you ever uh, participated in? Uh, First LARP. Wow. This is actually, it's been 11 years since my first LARP, but um, it was Vampire the Requiem with, uh, at the time, the official Camarillo fan club of the US, um, which then turned into Mind's Eye Society and is now Modern Enigma Society. Yeah, I know. I, 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 you know, I was looking them up the other day because, per usual, there was some controversy in the LARP community, and I was trying to figure out what organization was involved. And I was like, "Wait, when did they change the name?" <laughs> yeah, I think they changed the name about a year ago or so. Okay, interesting. Um, I don't know what was the cause for the change. Um, I've been actually out of organized LARP since about two thousand nineteen. So almost three years now, officially. But, like, you know, right? Yeah, perfect, right? Perfect timing. Like, you know, the <laughs> pandemic happens and I quit out. LARP. Yeah, so. I was about to say, is it related to the pandemic or? No, no, it was already decided before we even knew what the pandemic was, you know, happening. So mm-hmm. just wanted to spend more time writing. <laughs> and it worked out, so. Nice. Um, so I guess uh, kind of... S- Focusing more on your career as a player, what's your favorite TTRPG? Oh, gosh. You know, everyone always asks me what my favorite is, and honestly, it changes. That's but... that's a mood. That's a mood, because mine has um, certainly changed over the years several times. I honestly don't have one right off the top of my head. I mean, I really liked... Um, I kind of did like first edition Requiem, but when I saw what they were doing with second edition and then how that, you know, kind of played into V5, which I haven't, which I've only really played with uh, you and the other fine folks at Gehenna Gaming, um, Mm -hmm. the streams, but um, I guess I'm going to have to say once my local team, my local uh, gaming group starts up again, probably going to start trying a Starfinder. So it might not be my favorite, but it's uh, on my list to try, and I'm kind of excited because I like uh, sci-fi a lot. So Interesting. All right. That's also good to know. Um, I'll touch on the streaming portion uh, in a little bit, but I was wondering if you have a favorite character that you've ever portrayed. Oh, man. That's going to break my heart. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> no, because like, I feel like every character I've played has been like such a part of me that it's really hard to choose but if you asked any of my friends who have LARPed with me they would probably say that my favorite their favorite character of mine was probably um my elder Tremere named Mm. Salome St. John just because she preferred books to people and had no compunctions about starting people on fire she just (laughs) did not care and she was snarky, but not like, you know, in a rude, like everyone's posting, you know, shit posting on mailing lists and talking harpy shit. But um, she just had a scathingness about her. And 
everyone was like, she's so mean. We like her. I'm like, no, you're not supposed to like this character. Like, she doesn't like anyone. <laughs> but she had, yep. like, she had a distinct following. And, like, everyone said, like, the costuming was really good. Because I went all out on her. It was kind of ridiculous. There was something called the, the dope-ass wizard cape dress. Nice. So... Yep, so Salome would have to probably be my favorite character, um, at least in terms of actually playing a Tremere. <laughs> but uh, another one of my characters uh, actually was um, put into a, a book as an NPC, and it's uh, By Night Studios, Pickering Life, and that mm. was uh, Catherine Pershing, my little ventru who could. Oh, good to know. I'll have to uh, take a look at that. <laughs> Um, so as I mentioned, touch on streaming. And as you mentioned, you have done some streaming with us. Like we had our, uh, V5 Vikings game, which isn't done yet. And, um, uh, some other content that we've done. Do you have a preference towards LARP versus in-person tabletop games versus streamed games? Do you feel that one appeals to you more than the others? Um, Actually, uh, all three just scratch very different inches for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I like LARP because I love getting into costumes, being in person with friends, and just, you know, doing cool shit and physically acting it out. Um, In person, like, you know, just slinging dice is great because I love table banter. Like, you know, when you're just playing for, like, five to six hours, you've got your snacks, you've got your drinks, and you've got your pals. It's just the banter and shenanigans is great. And I love it. And I actually really miss it. Um, Streaming is also wonderful because it's like LARP just from the waist up. (laughs) And it allows you to be a bit more relaxed because you don't have to worry about people coming up behind you. Which, when you're at a massive LARP event of like 500 plus people, it can get very claustrophobic sometimes. Especially when people come up behind you and they like might grab your shoulder and you don't know who's there. At least with streaming, I never have to worry about that unless it's pre-planned and there's a jump scare. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, you you just touched on this a little bit, but I, I as someone who has never LARPed really myself, I have heard that streaming actually does have some very strong similarities to LARPing that sitting down at a table and rolling dice doesn't share. Um, would you agree with that? And if so, what are those similarities? I am curious. <laughs> I would agree because I think with the whole streaming aspect, people feel more encouraged, you know, to go the extra mile. Like, you know, hi, I put a costume together. I have a wig. I have context. I have props that go with this character during this stream. Like, you don't really see that a whole lot at tabletop games. Like, you might have, like, oh, look, I made, like, a scroll case, you know, mm-hmm. with maybe a fake scroll in it, you know, for um, the TTRPG. And I've done that. But it's really different when you can kind of fully immerse yourself. And, like, if everyone else is, like, fully buying in and everyone else in the stream is also doing the costuming, it just kind of feels more immersive. And that's what I really like about, you know, streaming. Because you have that opportunity. It's all about how much buy-in you and your fellow players give to uh, the stream. Definitely. That's, that's as I've done more of it, it's definitely something that I've appreciated about it. Um, and I also think that the even when you're not doing that buy-in and going full out with costumes and everything there is a certain level of 
physical acting that you need to do when streaming that you don't need to do when you're at a table because you're not sitting at oh, the yeah. same table as someone. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, shifting gears completely away from gaming entirely, I have a very important question that I think everyone needs to hear. Uh, you, in addition to being a game writer and LARPer and streamer, have three adorable dogs, uh, affectionately referred to as the server pug. Um, and they have <laughs> very interesting names. Uh, if you don't mind, what are their names and how did they get them? Well, their names are Doc, Wyatt, and Iggy. Um, how they got their names? Well, Iggy is short for Igor. Um, it's just the name my husband wanted to name the dog, but I call him Iggy Pup. Kind of like Iggy Pop and the other two are the Stooges. Um, Doc and Wyatt. I I don't really know. Like I think I, I hmm? oh yeah, Tombstone. So we have Doc Holiday and then Wyatt Derp. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And the uh, house loves uh, Tombstone. So <laughs> it is a good movie. It's a it's a it's a fun movie to watch. I, uh, was actually on Hulu last night and went, ooh, Tombstone's on Hulu <laughs> and almost watched it. So. Ooh, it is? Okay, good. That's, is. I, I got some weekend plans then. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So we've heard a lot about uh, you as a TTRPG writer and content creator and as a gamer, but I want to uh, tell people a little bit more about you as a person. So I'm going to jump into our lightning round. Um, so lightning these round. are questions that... I personally struggle to answer unless someone says first thing that pops to your head. So I'm going to say answer with the first thing that pops to your head. And I w- I had given you a hint about what these might be themed on, but I'm going to ask more than I told you. Okay. So we're going to start off with a uh, favorite horror movie. Cube or Event Horizon. Uh, great choices. Great choices. Favorite non-horror movie. Oh, gosh. I'm going to give a girly choice, but um, Ever After. Good movie. Uh, favorite horror book? It. Favorite non-horror book? Uh, currently, Iron Widow by Ziran J. Ah, Ziran J. Zhao. That's a, that's a mouthful of a name, but uh, they are I, an incredible writer. I screw that. I screw their <laughs> name up regularly, and my partner corrects me because she can speak some Chinese. Um, fantastic. Uh, favorite non-fiction book? Favorite nonfiction book? Oh, oh, that's a good one. Um, it's been a while, but I really enjoyed um, Born to Rule, which is about the five granddaughters of Queen Victoria leading up into World War One. Ooh, interesting. That actually does sound interesting. I would probably like that. Um, oh, yeah. Shifting gears away from media, what is the TTRPG you most want to play but haven't gotten a chance to yet? Uh, Invisible Sun by Monty Cook. Ooh, yeah, that one's on my list too. That one's on my list. Um, most, what is your favorite food? Favorite food? Uh... <laughs> Curry rice. Okay, okay. And what is your favorite drink? Green tea. Green tea. Okay, fantastic. Uh. That that is our lightning round. I change the questions every chance I get, so <laughs> different ones for other guests. But I felt when those were the most interesting to uh, dive into when our first return to 
uh, podcasting in a while. So um, before we wrap here, I do want to give you a chance to tell us about any other projects that you have worked on that you just want to promote, or if you have stuff coming up that you can talk about, or just something exciting going on in your life. Oh, well, the exciting thing coming into my life is um, I'm actually going to take a brief hiatus because I've been writing solidly, I think, for the past three to four years, it feels like. And I've gotten to a place where I can finally breathe. <laughs> I, I think it's well-earned. Um, currently, I've only got two projects, maybe two and a half still in red lines. After that, my docket is cleared. But after that, I really want to start focusing on a lot of my own community content again. Awesome. So, um Expect to probably see some more Scion-related stuff from me. Definitely. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. Um, so thank you for joining us this evening, Erica. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, folks, if you want to see more of Erica's work, uh, you can find her online at Erica Facet. That's with two S's and two T's. I'll just spell it because there's like nine different ways to spell Erica E-R-Y-K-A-H-F-A-S-S-E-T-T.com or on Twitter as Rosie Rexit. And I think that's about it for today. So uh, I want to thank you all for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Today's guest has been Erica Facet. I have been your host, Ian E. Muller of Gehenna Gaming. A special thank you to our Patreon's Alex M., Rob Pontius, Brian LeBurge, Tom Murr, Kyron Schnur, Vale, Ashley Rosano, Abby, Big Dad, and Matt Osborne for this episode. You can join our Patreon to gain access to our VIP Discord channels, early access to our podcast episodes a few days before they air, and video calls with our team and more. So go check that out, and thank you for listening. (laughs) 